Welcome to episode 11 of the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm Templeton Elliott, and in this episode we have Greg Hunt talking about the infamous crash of the deluxe van in North Carolina. I think one thing I could talk about is there's this, I mean, it's kind of grisly. There's like this car accident I was in with all these guys. I don't know if you've ever heard that story in like 94. But there's like all this other shit about that story that's like pretty, pretty, it's pretty funny, you know, just the way like that it all went down. I'm pretty sure that that was the summer of 94. It was a real stereo tour. Uh, real stereo summer tour throughout the U.S. <clears throat> um, I think that's probably the first summer tour for stereo, you know, if you want to call it that. It was basically a deluxe tour. So the way that they would do it back then was so much different than it's done now. Deluxe had a um, gold Astrovan, you know, so however, I think those fit six people. Right, they're pretty small, and uh, they sent us out in this Astrovan. There was no team manager, or photographer, or filmer, or anything. It was just the skaters, and that was like pretty common back then. I think you know, it was like the skaters kind of just like did it themselves. I'm not sure if people came on and off, but for the bulk of it, it was uh, myself, Drake Jones, Sean Mandoli, Julian Stranger. Ben Liver's Edge and Matt Field. So that was kind of like our squad and it was a six person van, you know? So like I think we each basically had a spot. <laughs> and we would take turns driving and from what I can remember we would like show up to a shop to do a demo and there would be like a fax from Jim Thibault that would be like, What's up guys? Like here's where you're going next or maybe not every maybe not every demo, but every few demos you know, there'd be this fax, which would have, like, an itinerary of, of where we're going next. And I don't remember even how we got money. I think maybe we'd get paid for doing the demos, or maybe Jim would wire money. I think Julian de- dealt with all that stuff. But it was such a different way of doing it, you know? Like, we kind of didn't really know, I think, even exactly where we were going until we got these faxes, and we would, like, find out where we are going next and would have, like, a plan for ourselves. And keep in mind, too, we were all super young. Like, Julian was probably the oldest, you know, and this was 94, so he was maybe, like, 22, you know? I was, like, 20. You know, everyone else is under 20. Like, Mandoli was probably, like, 17. You know, they were edge probably 17. Like, we were young. It's just so funny when I think back about these tour, that tour. You know, now it's like the way you do it is you have this demo, and then you have a signing, and then usually you hook up with the local... And you go out and you'll skate that town and, you know, you have a guide. And usually you have a photographer that's from a magazine because you're doing some sort of article. So you'll need to get photos, you'll get footage, you'll make some sort of video out of it. Out of it, Or you'll save video stuff for, you know, video clips for other projects or whatever. But, I mean, that was, we didn't have, we didn't film, we didn't shoot photos, we didn't do anything. Like, Julian had a camera, he shot photos. I think I might have had a point and shoot because I have these photos which were from that trip. When we were in, we were at Washington D.C. at one point, and uh, I have photos of us just like walking around D.C. We weren't even really skating. Like it's not like I think we went to Pulaski and maybe skated, but there's like a photo of like a few of us in front of the White House, 
and there's like a photo of a few of us like in front of like a statue or something like that's we were just like walking around like it's so different than it is now you know we were just on like this trip so i don't know man that's pretty wild you know like um we were just doing these demos and and traveling i think we we made it across the u.s and we made it down to wilmington and we had a demo the next day i think in raleigh I don't remember if we skated in Wilmington Beach or what, but I remember that night we were just like out cruising around and we saw this like house party going on and we just fully barged it. We just went in there, which I think we kind of did a lot on that trip. I can't really remember, but I remember going to this like house party with total strangers for a while. And then after that, we went to the ocean and a few of us got in the ocean and we were just, I remember like swimming in the ocean, like looking up at the stars and it was super late. But by then it was like, Hey, we got to go. Like we got to get to Raleigh. We got this demo tomorrow, you know? So we went to get coffee and we stopped at the Dunkin' Donuts to co- get coffee. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but there's this like really drunk lady there that somebody, I think Liver's Edge or Drake or someone stole her donuts like she was wasted and she was super uncool so it wasn't really that lame I remember it was just kind of funny that like we ended up with like two dozen donuts from Dunkin Donuts and it was like midnight and we were walking out of there laughing because we had these donuts and everyone had been kind of drinking because we went to this party uh everyone but but uh Mandoli and I so I remember Sean and I were like, you know, hey, he was like, hey, do you want to drive? And I was like, I don't care. I'll drive. Like, what do you, you know, how do you feel? He's like, I feel good. I'll drive. And I was like, okay, cool. You drive when you get tired. Like, let me know, you know. So we started driving. It was already pretty late. And we drove for a while. Like, you know, people who live in that part of the country will know, but there's like this road that goes from Wilmington to Raleigh. It's like basically like the straight road through like, it's basically trees. There's like, it doesn't seem like there's much around there at all. You know, I think it's like a two or three hour drive. We started that drive and everyone passed out pretty quick. Um, I was in the back drawing. I remember I was in like the very back, like passenger side corner. I was drawing in my sketchbook, whatever. Like I, like I don't really sleep in cars that much, but eventually I did doze off because I remember someone just yelling, like, Sean, Sean, Sean. And, like, I woke up, and I just remember seeing Mandoli sort of, like, waking up, too, and he had been driving. I guess we had cruise control on, and we were starting to drive off the side of the road. And I don't remember who woke him up, but he basically woke up and tried to pull back onto the road, and we started fishtailing. I don't. I never knew this until after. I'm sure he didn't know this either. But you're never supposed to like resist when you start fishtailing like that. You're supposed to let the car just kind of do its thing. Or even like if your car starts starts like turning in one direction, you're supposed to actually turn with it so you kind of donut out. You know, you're not supposed to like try to turn back. But he was just obviously panicked and he just woke up. He didn't know. I'm sure what the fuck was going on. So he tried to just get control of the car, and we just slipped. And I don't really remember much except for being on my hands and knees on the ceiling and feeling the ground going like the ground on the other side of the ceiling on my hands and knees. You know what I mean? Like I remember that. I remember that sensation really clearly. And when things like that are happening, like I wasn't scared. I don't think you have even time to get scared you're just trying to sort of like deal with the situation 
even though I think <laughs> I remember Julian was next to me. We we're in the back, and I remember Julian yelling like, "We're gonna fucking die!" or something super insane. I remember him yelling that. Um, but it happened quick. From what I can remember, I think we flipped at least twice. We might have flipped three times because there was some like back into the seat and then back onto the ceiling, back into the seat, back onto the ceiling. I didn't have a seatbelt. I don't think anyone had seatbelts on except for, it turns out, Mandoli, I think was the only guy who had a seatbelt on. We ended up on the side of the road rolling down into like to the ditch, not in the center, not in the center, but on the side. We were like rolling down. But I remember just being so freaked out and disoriented that I still, when we were, I just remember seeing like the fact that we were moving forwards. I didn't even know if we were upside down or what. I just knew that we weren't flipping anymore and we were moving forwards. You know, we come to a stop, like we just rolled down and stopped and we get out of the car and everyone was super fucking freaked out. Obviously, it was like pitch black. There's no cars on the road. We're all just getting out of the car and everyone's like, are you all right? Are you all right? Like shit was everywhere. Like our clothes, skateboards, I think all the doors, like the back had flown open. Everything flies open when you flip like that a lot of times. So everything was all over the place. Someone's like, Sean, are you all right? And Sean's like, dude, I, I think I'm bleeding. And, like, there's just enough moonlight or whatever was there just to see that his face was completely covered in blood. And um, he had glass, like, sticking out of the top of his head. But it was so dark and we're so panicked, we couldn't tell. Like, it couldn't tell if, like, he just had a few pieces of glass sticking out of his head or if, like, his entire head was ripped open. But he was, like, super calm, oddly calm. And all I remember he was saying was like that he was cold and he wanted a jacket. Like, I'm really cold. You're going to get a jacket. Like he wasn't scared, which is even more scary for us. He was like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm really cold. Can I get a jacket? Like, man, you guys, I'm so sorry. Like, I remember he felt really apologetic about it. So yeah, it was just insane. So we didn't know if Sean was dying or what inside of the van I remember was I had to go in there to grab something and it was completely full of just shit strewn everywhere and donuts. There's donuts everywhere because of all those donuts we had, st we had stolen. There was like, don't, I remember there's like donuts all over the place. I think it was like two or three dozen donuts that we had had in the car when this thing flipped over. Um, and Julian took shot photos. Cause I remember Julian was shooting photos. I think maybe they've been skateboarder a long time ago. I did a thing on, on this crash and there's some photos of it, but man, it was, it was gnarly. The whole front of the car was basically, caved in, you know. Ben Liversedge, who's sitting shotgun with no seatbelt on, had the seat reclined as far back as he could so he could sleep. And if he wouldn't have done that, I don't know what would have happened to him because literally, like, the car was smashed to where there was just enough room for his body to be between the seat and the top. Like, it was, like, flattened, you know. And Julian and I were in the back. Drake and Matt Field were in the middle and Mandoli was driving and Liver's Edge was in shotgun and kind of like everyone's injuries were progressively worse the farther you got to the front. Like Julian and I were fine. Matt's neck was fucked up. I think Drake's neck was messed up. And Sean was like the worst. He was just like totally covered in blood. So we didn't know what was happening with him. We were trying to get cars to stop for us, but no one would stop for us. And I remember being super angry because no cars would stop. And keep in mind, this is 94, like, there was no cell phones then, so you basically had to wait until someone saw you, you know? And it felt like an eternity that we were sitting there. I think two or three cars passed, and uh, we were trying to flag down the cars, and no one would stop for us. We thought Sean was, like, dying, you know? It was horrible. So anyway, finally a car must have, like, 
either stopped for us. I don't remember. Or maybe someone had called the police from a pay phone or something, but a police officer showed up. I don't remember exactly what happened after that, but I remember being in the back of a car. They must have had two cars because it was, they put Sean in an ambulance and then it was three of us in the back. Um, so a couple other guys must have been in another car, but I remember the cop was total asshole to us. Like, basically saying, like, he was convinced that we were drinking and driving, you know? And we were just like, hey, we're just skateboarders. No, this guy that was driving, he's like a Christian. He doesn't drink. He's like a total straight shooter. This guy was, like, telling us basically that we're losers, that, like, we should have gone to college. The whole, like, full stereotypical deal, especially back then, that you'd hear all the time. Um, And he kind of kept that up all the way through us getting to the hospital. Like, basically, all the way... While we were at the hospital, they gave Sean a CAT scan um, just to make just to see the extent of his head injury. And that whole time, we were basically kind of treated as criminals. You know, they thought that we had been drinking and driving, and if so, we had like almost killed our friend. So it wasn't until Sean's CAT scan results or blood results came back and he had no alcohol in the system that they became really, really nice to us. We were really in the middle of nowhere. Like, I don't remember where the hospital was, but we ended up in this hotel, which is literally, you know, one of those towns when you stop to get gas and there's like one gas station and it has like a subway in it. And then there's like a hotel across the street. That's basically where we're staying. And I think we were there for like two or three days, but we were there for a while. And for whatever reason, like we had to wait there to get flights home. So it was just really trippy. Like all of us just being in this hotel, motel, all of a sudden, like out in the middle of nowhere, Sean ended up being okay. Uh, he had a concussion and he had like some pretty serious scars. Like the, they had to read totally stitched together, like the kind of like above his forehead where your hair starts. It was total, like, it looked like uh, scrambled egg. They had to stitch that up and bandage that up. And even those few days that we were there after, like, he had blood would be dripping out from under his bandage. He had this big bandage on and a hat over his bandage. And we all had, like, random, because we lost all our clothes. We all had, like, mismatched shoes and, like, each other's clothes on, I remember. Like, it was all, like, like, we didn't have shit, you know? We were just trying to get home. So we survived. Like, I feel like ever since then, all of us have had this weird bond, you know? Like, I haven't seen Liver's Edge in a really long time, but still, like, you know, I saw Drake not too long ago. And when when I see those guys or come across those guys, like, that was a pretty heavy thing to go through, you know? Like, we really were lucky. Like, for sure, one of us or a few of us could have not survived that. It was just really intense, you know? So you go through that and you survive that with someone, you know? It's like you sort of, I feel like, always have a bond with those people it's because, like, it really makes you feel fortunate just to be alive. And, it, you know, we were all kind of there for each other and just trying to, like, get through it, you know, especially when it all, right after it all happened. So it was really pretty intense. But the crazy thing is, is when we got home, everyone was like, yeah, I heard you crashed the van. Like, no one, <laughs> no one really knew how bad it was. It was a big sort of life-changing thing for me, you know, because up until then I was, you know, I was amateur and I was going to school. My family didn't really pressure me, but I definitely came from a family where everyone went to college and they really wanted me to go to school. So the first, you know, year or two I was out in San Francisco, I went to school part-time. I didn't really want to, you know, but I felt pressured to. I was young, you know, it's just sort of the sort of world I came from. Actually, from that hotel room, when we were way out there, I called my dad and I was like, Dad, I don't want to go to school. I want to skate. You know, I want to be a pro skater. I want to, I want to do this while I can. 
So it was like a crazy sort of crossroads for me. And I'm sure probably a lot of us, you know, going through something like that. So, yeah, it was, it was trippy, you know, it's insane that we survived it. But when I think back of it, honestly, I just always think of the fact that it was just us out there on this tour and how different it was. And so we all survived. Thanks to Greg Hunt for talking to me and to everyone out there listening and sharing the podcast. For this episode, I want to recommend going outside and hiking instead of looking at shit on the computer. That's what I've been doing a lot lately, and it's been great. Head to MostlySkateboarding.com for links and other show notes, including a few relevant photos I ripped from the Chrome Ball incident. They did a great Sean Mandoli interview a while back, which has his telling of this same story. Don't forget to follow Mostly Skateboarding on Twitter, Tumblr, and the blog for daily skate radness.